Hello and welcome to Learning Rewired Flash Insights, a selection of key takeaways from Headspring's Learning Rewired podcast. Our guest today is Gary Kildare, CHRO of IBM Europe, and we are discussing the role of humans in the age of AI. Gary, welcome again, actually. Thank you. It's, I'm d- delighted delighted to be here. This is a, a first uh, for me, so I'm uh, uh, very pleased. And I'm, I'm hoping you're going to be kind to me with all of your, your questions. Very gentle, Gary. Very gentle. <laughs> Gary, let's perhaps start at the beginning. What is AI? I want to make maybe a, a wee distinction mm-hmm. uh, on, on AI. Because I think lots of people are talking about it as artificial intelligence. And I, I am from an organisation and I also on a personal view, I don't subscribe to the, the whole artificial uh, uh, area, but I do subscribe very strongly to augmented intelligence. Mm-hmm. And this is where when you're talking about um, organisations, they have um, deep skill, deep capability, deep data and analytics and are able to use all of those kind of capabilities and harness them working with human uh, uh, effort to get really the best of, of, of both worlds. What is the role of AI in today's business functions? I, I think the the prospect of, of AI for organizations is that it will have an impact on, on almost all professions mm. uh, and, and all roles uh, because there are components of everything that we do in our daily lives that that AI can can help with and can and can support. Um, and I do see for sure that there is a start in areas like HR and learning, which seem ripe for change. Um, for my organization, HR in particular, um, is is ready for it because uh, you know I uh, am very honoured to be part of a group that is a technology organisation and consequently, you know, the colleagues I work with are very interested in, in being at the at the leading edge and wanting to try things mm-hmm. um, and to see how these things are working. So, so our objectives at the moment are really about transforming uh, the IBM company into a, a cognitive enterprise. Cognitive, very simple. It's it's really about thinking and how you use the technology to to support, um, you know, your operations and the activities that are that are there. Why should HR specifically pay attention to AI? And I suppose where I would encourage everyone uh, certainly people who are in, in my kind of um, uh, role in organisations is y- you you need to be experimenting. You need to be trying things out. This is part of, 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 of business today. Not everything will, will fit or will work, but you do have to be trying things out because there is a, there is a risk, I think, that um, some organisations will, will actually get left behind. If you ignore it or you refuse to adopt it or you don't think about what the consequences might be, then I do think there's some risks that, uh, that you get left behind. So there's a lot of conjecture about this, but does AI really spell the end of human jobs? I, I think uh, if, you, if you consider you know, the way things are likely to evolve, um, then the, the notion of, of harnessing human and machine together is so much more powerful than the the whole notion that that you know humans are going to be be unnecessary i think that is quite fanciful mm-hmm. um i think that's the stuff of of science fiction rather than science fact um now will this change the structure 
of some jobs? The answer is yes, mm. it, it, it will. Um, but I, I don't think we have to be, um, you know, concerned or worried about that. Um, technology has always had an impact on, uh, you know, roles and jobs over time. Um, <clears throat> and I think there'll be new roles that are created. And I think it will also help to support some of the roles in ways that, that maybe we, we haven't thought about. So, Gary, how does the nature of individual learning change in the age of AI? The, the sort of learning model or the education model of school and university and work and retirement um, is, is a, a bankrupt model. It's a busted flush mm. uh, there. Um, and I think you are already hearing the people who are in those professions, in the learning and education profession, um, beginning to talk about uh, the need for more training and more skilling and more upskilling. And that that's likely continue for likely to continue for our for our whole lives. So I, I mean, we have heard, you know, probably for the last fifteen or twenty years about lifelong learning, mm. but I don't know that that's really been backed up mm. by more than you know, no, a, a nice idea. But it is becoming a reality. The 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 kind of half life of skills, uh, even technical skills these days, is around five years, mm. which means. That, you know, and, and by the way, the speed is increasing. Mm -hmm. So we may find that that's going to get even shorter. Mm. That means that, you know, each of us will have a, a, a kind of obligation for ourselves to continue to learn, to continue to grow, to continue to develop in order that we're staying up to speed on progress and we continue to be employed and do things that are, are part of, of the, the plan that we have for ourselves. So at a time when individuals are increasingly empowered to direct their own learning, what role will organisations play? Organisations do have a commitment. They, they are going to have a commitment to their people. They will need to enable. They will need to facilitate. They will need to support. Um, I think in some organisations, education may be something that is a, an adjunct or a bolt-on to what people are expected to do every day, but I believe it's going to become pretty mainstream. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, you can't think about the future or the workforce that you have without thinking about what will that be like in the future? Mm -hmm. uh, what kinds of things will you do? So I, I think we're still in the early parts of this with regard to what will the inter interventions be? How will organisations help? I think there are still some very traditional models of the organisation will skill me or will train me or will send me on a course. Mm -hmm. I think the send me on a course uh, way of, of operating um, is absolutely from the past. Mm -hmm. I think it will be much more empowering. The people today in the workforce uh, are talking about the their own career and their own plans mm -hmm. and they feel a sense of uh, ownership and accountability to influence that um and i i think the partnership between an individual and you your organization um will continue but i think professions have a part to play universities will have a part to play 
government will have a part to play as well because mm. if training is required for your whole life, uh, education for your whole life, you know, are we geared up to be able mm. to to support that? I think skills is a uh, an imperative for organisations and something that the organisation has a role to play in, as do we uh, as individuals. But it's really important that we don't create a world of winners and losers because some people have access to technology and others do not. Mm. So I think there is a skill requirement that says organisations, uh, for the, the good of society, uh, we need to make sure that we're providing access and that we're bringing uh, people forward and not creating a kind of a winners and, and losers. So I think there's an incumbent responsibility with organisations, with technology players, that, that they must provide, provide that, that help and that access. And finally, Gary, where should organisations and their leaders start in preparing for the unfolding age of AI? We're in a time when um, the need for leadership to be willing to experiment has never has never been greater. Mm. Um, you know, many businesses are being disrupted from places they didn't expect. Mm. Um, you know, uh, from competitors that that didn't exist or mm. that suddenly just popped up, or maybe they weren't a, a, a competitor at all, and suddenly they moved into the space. So I think experimentation and the willingness to 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 try uh by the way it won't all work well but mm -hmm. this is the nature of what's called agile working and agile thinking where you don't wait until you have the full solution you try something out uh, you adapt it you change it you modify it um and eventually you begin to see the progress in the right ways so that would be one thing I would say. If you're not experimenting, then what, what are you doing? Mm, mm. And the, the second would be, uh, to your point around collaboration, these days uh, it, it's absolutely critical that we're collaborating across organisations, across different disciplines, maybe even beyond the organisation into the, the broader ecosystem at large. Um, so I think collaboration and listening uh, because the ideas don't just come from the, the top. They have to come from, you know, other places. And uh, so I, I think listening and collaborating and then a little bit of experimentation is probably a good way to, to think about things. Fantastic. Gary Kildare, thank you so much. Many thanks, Steve. Thank you. You have been listening to Flash Insights, a collection of key takeaways from guests on Headspring's Learning Rewired podcast. For full episodes from Learning Rewired, as well as access to other episodes of Flash Insights, please subscribe to the Learning Rewired podcast.
brought to you by Headspring.